right. Hey, let's pray together one more time. Father, thank you for a chance to worship you, and we just remember that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we look to your word, we see from Genesis to Revelation and on into our day now, the same God, you are still at work, ruling and reigning in power. Lord Jesus, we worship you, and we now ask that you, by your spirit, would teach us as we open your word, as we talk together as a church family, would you guide our time? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome again to FBC. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and we just want to say we're so glad that you are with us. And this morning, we're going to continue this sermon series we've been doing for several weeks now called Love Your Church, where we're talking about what does it mean to be the church, the joy, the privilege, the responsibility of being a part of the church. This is week seven of that study, but it's going to look a little different than normal because uh, starting this week, we're going to have three weeks of conversations about membership, local church membership. And the crowd goes, wow. You just woke up this morning, you're like, I can't wait to talk about local church membership. This is what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, but I, stay with me. Um, I, we're so glad you're here because what we're going to do is look at, hey, the past six weeks of this Love Your Church talk, the book we read, the sermons we've done, how all of that we think leads to uh, an important application of having a clear membership process uh, in the local church. Now, often if someone wants to be a member at a church, you know, sign the official document to become part of that church, there's some kind of membership class, a luncheon, a series of dinners, come out to, you know, three Sunday nights in a row or whatever to get all the content. But we said, uh, rather than making you put something else in your schedule, because we want to bring everybody along with this and, and reach as many people as possible with this, we said, let's just do it in our main service. That way there's no extra lunch, there's no three Sunday nights in a row. We're just going to do it for three weeks during our worship service. And so um, our service time is going to look a little bit different because rather than uh, a sermon like normal, this time what I'm about to do is going to be more, more teaching than it is preaching, more classroom feel than um, sermon Sunday morning. And so you might come up with me afterwards and say, that was a really bad sermon, pastor. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I know, because it wasn't really like a normal sermon, and so just bear with me. Again, a sermon is intended to leave you just looking to Jesus and seeing, look at how good God is and how glorious God is, and just in awe and, and led out, ready to make changes in your life, and that's kind of how sermons work. Uh, but teaching a class is more, you know, at the end of the first service, it was kind of like, all right, that's the end of my talk, you know, see you, see you guys later. It felt a little different, but so just, just warning you. Um, and I will say too, if you're a guest and you're like, what, I don't want to be, a, I don't even know what this thing is, I don't want to be a member. If you're a guest here, don't worry, we're not going to put you on the spot, we're not going to have any kind of high pressure sales pitch or do anything weird to, to you know, isolate or put, uh, put the spotlight on you. Just, this is a chance then for you just to listen in. Hey, here's what these people are about here. You can get a sense from the outside of, hey, what God is doing in our community. So no pressure, we're glad that you're here as well. Uh, we should address right away kind of maybe the discomfort some of us feel around the topic of membership. The idea of having an official membership process maybe to some sounds unnecessary or strange or rigid or bureaucratic or legalistic. I mean, why bother taking so much time to talk about something like this? Especially in an age where we are very uh, afraid and wary of commitment, aren't we? Right? We're like, I don't know if I like making official commitments. If we get an invite somewhere, often we'll like hold out. Yeah, maybe, because we're not sure if some better uh, invitation is going to come along. So we don't want to commit too soon in, in case we like lock ourselves in. You know? So we're, we're wary of commitment. Uh, we're also wary of institutions. 
in organizations, right? If you look at the data and research of people get polled and asked about their confidence or trust in certain institutions. And virtually across the board, as a, as a people, our trust in institutions is on the decline. If you look at just for the past few decades, whether it's uh, our trust in the government or public schools or uh, doctors or um, the, the military even, or the justice system or churches, like, like institutions uh, across the board, people are like, yeah, I trust them less and less. Not really sure they have my best interest in mind. Not really sure they're telling me the whole story. Um, right, we feel that we're wary of organizations, and sometimes there's good reasons for that, right? And other times um, there are bad reasons for that. But even, even as a pastor, I feel that. Sometimes I'll watch like little clips of other pastors or sermons or like little Instagram clips of other pastors. And even as a pastor, I'm like, yeah, what's the real story, bub? I don't know. Not sure about you. And so just I say that, say, I get it. I, I get that we feel that. And yet... Um, we're convinced that this is an important conversation for us to have at FBC, that membership is a helpful tool for, for us to implement. And so I hope to explain to you why. Um, the, the wheels for this started turning really a few years ago, back in my first few months here at FBC, when, when new people would come to the church and they'd be excited about what, would, what God was doing here and they wanted to be a part of it. They would usually ask the question, how do, how do, I, like, how do I sign up? How do I become a member? You know, how do I plant the flag, make it official. Like, I want to be here. How, how do I, you know, sign? What, what do I do? Um, and my answer, because we haven't had a membership process, has always been very underwhelming. It's always been, well, just keep coming, you know? <laughs> just keep showing up. And uh, there was always this sense of, huh, okay. But, but there's almost this human sociological desire, right, to, to say, this is home. I, I'm in. I'm here. I, we, we are drawn to being a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so uh, through a lot of thought and prayer and conversations like that over the years and now recent conversations and thoughts amongst our board and staff and leadership team, we've said, hey, we really think we want to address this. And it feels like we're maybe missing an opportunity by not having and practicing official membership. So we're going to talk about that. And when I say membership, um, maybe a number of things come to mind. I hope to like, define it clearly as we go. But what I'm talking about is not just an argument to attend church, like, hey, you should you know, be here on Sunday, show up, engage. Um, that could be, that's like a whole separate sermon of why we need to go to church. Um, but this is more about an official like, process to commit to a local church. Right, to, to sign the dotted line, as it were. There actually will be a document to sign, to affirm, like, hey, this is my home church, I'm in, and it's a chance for the leadership of the church to affirm and receive individual Christians into membership. So having an official process like that. Again, we have three weeks to kind of fill this out, so if all of your questions aren't answered this morning, uh, please bear with me. We hope to cover, cover it well. So uh, week one. The, the goal of this class, this session, is to answer the question, why membership? That's really to get at the heart of it. Why are we doing this? Why are we talking about this so much? And we believe that there are a number of, of arguments and reasons why practicing church membership is a good idea. Uh, the first few lines of reasoning we would call biblical reasons. We believe that the Bible uh, makes clear that this is a good idea. Uh, to be clear, though, the biblical arguments that we're about to walk through for church membership are more uh, assumed and 
implied, I would say, than directly commanded. Like I can't take you to chapter and verse. Like Ephesians chapter 4, look, it says, thou shalt you know, sign the membership document of your local church. Okay, I can't, I can't do that. But uh, I believe that in a number of ways, when you look at the New Testament, how the church is set up, it, it makes sense to have a practice and a process for membership. So uh, the first thing we'll do then is look at Ephesians chapter 2 to help, to help flesh this out a bit. Ephesians 2 is a passage we looked at in week one of this series, way back in week one of Love Your Church, uh, where we're seeing so much about what the church is. I'm going to read it for us and we'll walk through it. Paul writes, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So we did the same thing back in week one of this series. We looked at Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 21 or 22 here, and we said, look at all the ways Paul describes the church. What images does he use? He says, your fellow citizens with God's people. So he uses the image of being a, a citizen of a nation. Um, for Christians, their citizenship then is not ultimately grounded in an earthly kingdom or nation, but as Christians, ultimately our true citizenship is in heaven. We belong to the kingdom of God. That's ultimately what your passport says, right, biblically speaking. Also, he uses the idea of being members of a household, right? Family language, children of God, sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, that sort of language because of Jesus. And verses 21 and 22 uses the image of a building. Like Jesus himself is the cornerstone, but we all like individual stones are being built together into a temple or a building where God dwells. So think about all of those. Put those all together and you see they all communicate this idea that as individual Christians, we are designed to function uh, as something greater than ourselves. We're as individuals joined together, right, into this new reality that is bigger than ourselves. Citizens of a kingdom, members of a family, stones in a building, even uh, look to 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, parts of a body, right? They're all getting at the idea that your personal walk with Jesus is simply one part of this bigger picture of God's work in the world. You're not intended to navigate life as a Christian in isolation, apart from community. You belong to the family of God. And that belonging to the people of God, that the universal church, we might say, the universal church is really all believers everywhere. Right? Through faith in Jesus, we become part of the universal church. And yet that uh, identity, that belonging, is intended to be expressed and seen and lived out in uh, the visible context of a local church community. Right? So it's not enough to say, hey, I believe in Jesus, so I'm part of like the capital C church. You know, I'm, part, I'm a Christian with all Christians everywhere. It's to be lived out in a local expression, which of course we see throughout the New Testament. Now, to that you might say, well, that's all well, good, well and good, pastor. You should be a part of a church community. I'm on board. I agree. But why do I have to sign your silly little paper document saying that I'm here and committed? It's a valid question. Let's walk through again. I think there are a few places in the New Testament we can look that would say, hey, it actually makes sense to have a clear list of who's committed and who's in. Look with me first at 1 Peter chapter 5. It says this, 
Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter is writing to the elders of the church, and he goes on to describe how uh, church elders and leaders should carry themselves, their character, their posture. But what's noteworthy here is that he has this call for them to shepherd God's flock that is under your care, saying to these specific leaders, take care of the sheep that God has entrusted to you. The flock, your translation might say, that is among you. Meaning, think about it, there are specific sheep, specific Christians, specific individuals and families that God has entrusted to specific leaders. The leaders of the church there had specific people that they were responsible for. So, So it makes sense then that pastors would know who is under their care, right? Pastors should know, here are the people that I'm responsible for, to love and serve and lead. Similar, look at uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Paul writing to the elders in Ephesus, he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. There's a lot going on in this verse, so I'm going to shift into preacher mode here from teacher mode for just a second. And, and you see just how beautiful this verse is. Look at how precious the church is to God. What does it say? It says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. It's so tempting or easy for us to discard the church, take or leave the church. Do we really need the church to bash the church? And yet God looks at his church and says, these are my people that I bought with my own blood. The church is precious to Jesus. Remember an old, uh, older pastor in seminary was talking to us and was talking about some, some younger pastors uh, years before that he was talking with. And it was really hip to kind of bash the church or criticize the church or condemn the church or look at how messy or insignificant the church is or small or whatever. And he said, Do you, he took them to this text. So do you realize that this church that you're talking about, you're bashing, you're condemning, is the church that, that God bought with his own blood? Jesus loves his church. Elsewhere, the church is described as the bride of Christ. Right? That imagery is used. And think about if we talked about someone's wife the way we talk about the church. <laughs> right? if, you, if you came up and talked to me about my wife, the way some of us talk or think about the church. I mean, that could be fighting words, right? I think about it, if someone talked about your wife. Oh, isn't she this? Look at how messy, how, how useless, how unnecessary, how sinful. I mean, look around and run around. I mean, can you imagine that sometimes we talk about the bride of Christ that way? Jesus loves his church. He loves his bride. It's precious to him. He's committed to his church, and we should be too. So, but the point here, that's a side note. The point here is that Paul is addressing the elders of the church in Ephesus, saying, keep watch over yourselves and the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And so the same idea, there are specific people that have been entrusted to the leaders of the church, to their care, for you to watch over. 
And so it makes sense, for, again, for the leaders of the church to know and to be able to identify those whom they are responsible for. Think about it. For, for Pastor Ian and I, um, we're not responsible to watch over and lead every Christian in Benicia. Right? It would be very strange if I walked up to random Christians on the street in Benicia saying, the Holy Spirit has made me overseer to watch over your soul. They would say, number one, who are you? Number two, please leave. You know, there, there's this, uh, that, that would be very strange. There are specific people that are in relationship with us here as a church family that we are called to, but it doesn't mean just everybody. So it makes sense to clarify who exactly uh, is under the care of this church. Okay, uh, one more. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. This is one of those verses that, that pastors, uh, we really don't like usually <laughs> because it's a little weighty and scary. Look at the end of it. They keep watch over you as those who must give an account. And one day, pastors are going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account for how they led and served and cared for the people that the Lord entrusted to them. I'm going to have to stand before the Lord one day, and he's going to ask me about you all. Say, how did you love them? How did you care for them? How did you step into their life and guide them and serve them? It's a weighty reality. And so again, same principle. I'm not accountable. I'm not going to have to give an account to the Lord for every Christian everywhere. I'm not going to have to stand before God and say, hey, tell me about all the Christians in Benicia. Or tell me about all the Christians in Walnut Creek. Well, hey, that's not my bag. Okay, that's, um, there, but there are specific people that he's going to say, hey, I, I sent them there to you. How did you care for them? So again, makes sense to clarify who we're talking about with that. Um, and, and the other uh, side of this is true as well. There's a call to you all, to individual Christians, how you are to respond to leadership in the church, right? Look at the verse again. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Trust and follow the leadership of your pastors, it says. Of course, there's qualifiers there. But in general, this posture of honoring leaders, following their lead. But the idea, again, you should know who to submit to, who your leaders are, right? Is it any pastor in town has authority over you? Is it any pastor in America comes up to you and says, hey, I'm going to direct your life and you need to listen to my guidance and, and hear my counsel. No, again, you'd say, well, again, who are you? And uh, please leave, um, right? You, you should know who specifically are you to have this relationship with. So members of a church and pastors of a church have this unique relationship uh, where members of the church are to honor their leadership. Does that, does that make sense? It makes sense to clarify that. It's not just all people everywhere, but it's, there's a certain relationship that is fostered. Further, further you could look to um, just more biblical reasons, uh, church discipline cases like Matthew 18, like 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where there's a clear, like, identifiable distinction of like being a member of the church inside the walls of the church, so to speak, and on the outside. Um, you could see in the book of Acts that there are... Uh, they, they, take names, clearly they, they number and report the growth of the church. Believers were added to their numbers daily as the gospel goes forth. And so clearly they're, they're keeping a record of who is believing, who's joining the church. So there's a way to identify, hey, here's who, again, is a part of this and here who's not. And so the process might look different in different contexts, depending where and when you live um, and what that looks like for you. But the principle is the same. It's assumed that 
pastors and church leaders know and can clearly identify the people they're responsible for, and that church members should know, individual Christians should know uh, to whom they are responsible to follow. And this is where we, we could stop for a moment and look at one of the most common maybe objections to a process of church membership. And maybe you're feeling this well up within you a little bit, saying this sounds like really exclusive. Maybe even this sounds unloving, unspiritual to, to, to set up boundaries, to keep people out, to say there's an in-group and an out-group. Isn't that just going to create problems? Is, is that really loving? Uh, to, to which I would say, yes, it is loving. And actually clarifying boundaries really in all areas of life is a really healthy practice to be able to determine, hey, here's like in and out, here's um, where I stop and where someone else begins, that sort of thing. And so it, it makes sense to say, hey, here's uh, who's a part of the church. We can clearly define what it means to belong here. And that means that there are going to be some people on the outside of that. Now, this isn't instituted uh, to keep people away as if we want to make an exclusive club, because really it's an open invite, right, to whoever believes in Jesus and wants this to be their church home, whoever is a Christian and wants to be a part of this church, hey, come on in, right? There's not like this uh, exclusive mentality, but we're seeking clarity about it means something to belong here. And it's actually helpful for everybody to define that. So we don't want it just to be vague and ambiguous. Now, here's where it gets really fun. There's um, biblical reasons, believe, for church membership. There's also, I think, some really practical reasons. And I want to talk with you about some of those because um, these, I think, make a lot of sense. First, we have membership outlined in our bylaws. You might not know this, but our church has a church constitution and bylaws, like some guiding documents that say, here's how we're set up to function as a church. Here's how things are to be kept orderly. Here's, you know, kind of some guidance as to how we are, uh, again, out, it outlines membership. There are to be members of the church that have certain responsibilities uh, certain voting rights. We'll get into that in a minute. And so um, it hasn't been practiced here in years and years and years, but it never fell out of the bylaws and never was changed. And so we simply want to say, hey, let's just uphold what our bylaws already say we should be doing. What, what believers who have gone before us have found to be helpful and important. We say, hey, let's, let's stick with that. So practical, it's in our bylaws. Uh, related to that is we are a congregational church which means that the highest human authority in the church is the congregation. That means more than, than me, even our, our board of directors, is the, the people of the church, the members in determining the direction of the church. So, so you all have a say. Now, we, we don't vote on every little detail. We don't vote on like, the color because, let's be honest, some of you like the fluffy stuff, some of you are cheap and want the one-ply, and we never agree. So we're not going to vote on that. You're just going to trust some leaders to make those decisions. But there are certain things that, uh, in our bylaws state, do go to a vote. Uh, for example, um, the approval of the annual budget. Okay, so every year, end of January, early February, we have an annual meeting where the budget is presented to the congregation, the membership, for approval. It's not saying, hey, here's what we're going to do. It's saying, hey, here's, here's what we'd like to do should the people of the church affirm this direction. And so you have a chance to say, hey, this actually is 
yeah, we're on board. We believe this is God's will. Or this seems like really unwise. We need to push back and have some questions about that. Um, there's an opportunity for that conversation to take place and for that budget direction to be approved. Um, also, when, uh, when the lead pastor or senior pastor is hired or removed, um, that goes to a vote. So when I got hired, um, it wasn't just like, hey, the board members like him. Here he is. I was presented before the congregation, and you all had to vote on whether to call me as pastor. And uh, it went well. I'm here. There were two of you that said no. I don't know who you are, but I'm, I'm looking, all right? Maybe you, already, maybe you left. I don't know. But, you, but there were two, and um, I'm not insecure or anything. So it's okay. But that goes to a vote. If I were to ever need to be removed, if I got like really squirrely, real squirrely in theology or life or in sin or whatever, the board of directors would bring that before the congregation and say, Matt's getting really squirrely, guys. We got to get him out of here. And you all, the congregation, would have to vote uh, on whether or not to remove me. So it's not just a board decision. It's a congregation decision. Um, We would have to vote as a church to change the bylaws. If we were to, hey, we we don't like this stuff. We're going to take that out or add that or whatever to our bylaws and practices, um, that has to go to a vote. If we were to uh, buy a building, buy property, and take out a loan for that, that would have to be approved by the the membership of the church. Um, So there are certain things that have to go to a vote, and it's been really unclear in the past few years who gets to vote. Because we go into membership or to the annual meeting every year when we vote on the budget and all these things, uh, approving board members. That's another one. And when board members join the team, they have to get voted in. Um, every year we come there and, and people are like, like, well, do, do I vote? Like, who, who votes? I've been here for like a couple months. Does that mean I'm a member? Am I in? Can I vote? Should I not? Like, I don't know. And it, there's just this ambiguity about who gets to vote. So we want to clarify that so it's really clear. Hey, here's, here's who can vote. Here's what it means to be a member here. We want to make that really defined. Um, Another practical matter is membership reinforces leadership standards, right? It makes sense that uh, if someone is a member, we would know, hey, we, we know something about their core beliefs. We know they've made a profession of faith in Jesus. We know they have bought into the, the mission and vision and direction of our church. And so there's a bit of screening that goes on there so that we would know, hey, if someone is going to be teaching our kids or teaching your students, that we would know, hey, they're like-minded in doctrine and faith and practice, and um, we can have some, some confidence there. Um, they're on board with who we are as a church, so it makes sense to have membership, have some standards there. Um, also, think about it this way. Every team needs a roster. If you're a sports person, this makes total sense. Um, It makes sense that we would want to know, here's who is on the roster. Here is who is with us. Here's who we can expect to show up. Here's who we can expect to be uh, moving with us, who's invested, who uh, we can call on in a time of need. I mean, think about your favorite NFL team. It would be very strange if you were to ask the coach or the management of that team, hey, who who plays on your team for the 49ers today? Hey, who's going to play today? It would be very odd if they were to say, oh, I don't know, we're just going to see who shows up. Right? That, that would make no sense. They, it makes sense that they would have a roster. We, we know. We know who, who's committed, who we have a, a, a relationship with, who we have an agreement with, who's going to be here. It would make fantasy football nearly impossible, for one thing, if, fantasy, if football worked that way. Or think about even just your little league team, your kid's soccer team, your kid's swim team, right? There's a roster. You know, here's who signed the waiver, here's who made the commitment, here's who's going to be here, here's who's paid their dues or whatever. Like, we know they're in. And it's not just like anyone in town, whoever wants to show up, who's going to swim this race today? I don't know. Let's see who shows up and gets in the pool. No, it's like we, we know. We've, we've clearly 
defined it. Or think about, again, your school. It'd be very strange if you were to approach a teacher at your kid's school or administrators at your kid's school and say, who goes to this school or, or who's in whose class? And they were to say, oh, I don't know. Just whoever shows up. They just kind of assemble themselves. It'd be very odd, right? It, we, we have lists and rosters to clarify who's in, who's a part of this, what's expected of parties and so on. So I think it makes a lot of sense. It would be organizational chaos <laughs> just to leave it all floating, free flow, whoever wants to show up. Again, it, it makes sense to say, here's who's in. Here's who's made a commitment. Here's who's on board. Here's who's signed the waiver. Here's who we can count on to show up. Um, and the last practical piece is membership is a real discipleship opportunity. And by not having, I think we're missing an opportunity at the front of our relationship with people to just say, hey, here's who we are as a church. Here's what it means to be a part of this church. Here's what we really value in discipleship and what we're going to talk a lot about. Here's some of our theological distinctives. Here's what you can expect here from leadership. Um, here's what you, you won't see here. Um, uh, it gives us a chance to talk to people about their, their faith journey to this point, to clarify expectations. Um, this is why people do premarital counseling, right, before they get into a marriage. They say, hey, we need to have some serious intentional conversations about who you are, who I am, where I come from, where you come from, and make sure that this is going to work and this is compatible. Um, it's helpful for everybody to clarify that up front, to talk about things like baptism, to talk about things like giving and finances, to, to bring people up to speed, rather than just saying like, hey, we're glad you're here. I hope you figure it out along the way who we are. Right? It's a chance just to say up front, hey, here's who we are. Here's what we value. Here's what it means to belong here. Because especially as people come from different church backgrounds, no church background, um, you know, different church experiences, we all come in with our assumptions about, well, here's how a church should run or here's how things should be done. And those don't always line up with who we are as a church. We're not the, you know, the church for everybody. And so it's important to know, like, here's how things go here. And so people know just it's it's uh, helpful just to clarify that up front. So, biblical reasons, practical reasons. Next, let's talk about some sociological reasons. Humanly speaking, there are benefits of making a clear commitment, right? When we make a commitment, we tend to be more consistent. We tend to, to, to at least try to follow through more than if we had not made a commitment at all. I mean, think about why every business and grocery store has like a rewards program, and they want you to carry around their little thing on their keychain. They're like, they want you to have some sense of ownership, some sense of like, hey, I like it here. I'm, I'm kind of invested here. I have my rewards points or whatever, right? When we're, we're official, we're in, we're a member of something, it makes us lean in and say, you know, I'm, I'm a part of this. There's ownership, there's pride, there's, there's uh, really helpful benefits of that. We all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. I think about when I, I joined Benicia Health and Fitness here in town. Anybody other members? I know a few of you. Yeah, yeah, represent. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, the steam room there is just off the charts, people. Eucalyptus infused oil. Anyways, when I first joined the gym, I remember there was this kind of uncertainty that came along before I was like official. When I went to just kind of like check it out, even walking in the lobby, there was a bit of like, am I supposed to be here? Or if I walk into this room, is someone going to yell at me? Like, where can I go? Where can I not go? What are, what are the terms? When, when it was unclear, it was um, a little unsettling. But then I went through the membership process at the local gym, and I signed the document, and they said, hey, here's, here's the agreement, here's the terms, here's the pay, here, whatever. And we outlined it, made it real clear, and then I signed, and I got my little keychain, and now I can go to the gym, and now I, I walk in, and it's not like I'm uncertain and unsettled, and I do, can I go here or really belong here? What's my voice here? It's like, I know where to go. I know what to do. I know that I can be there. 
And that relieves a lot of anxiety, just clarifying sociologically, like I'm a part of this. Across the board, with whatever we're joining, that is often a helpful sociological reality. Um, Another sociological fact is that our commitments shape us. When we make a commitment to something, again, it it makes us lean in. Think about um, marriage, right? There's something meaningful about giving those vows and commitments uh, that you then are to hold faithful to. You didn't enter this relationship on a whim, but you enter this really this covenant with your spouse before God and witnesses. You're saying, hey, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And even though I might be pulled in different directions and whims as I grow and age, I'm not going to drift. I'm not going to allow hard seasons to, to pull us away because our commitments shape us and, and help us make decisions, right? It kind of simplifies some of our decision-making because we say, I've already made this decision on the front end. And so that's going to rule out some decisions along the way. And that's actually really helpful. Now, again, I'm not saying that church, local church membership and uh, your marriage are on like the same level. You know, like you cannot leave. Uh, it's, not, it's not that sort of thing because there's a, uh, the sanctity of marriage is, is on a different level. But um, there is some reality that just that idea of commitment, of belonging um, is meaningful. And here the other common objection that we need to address is some people say membership, it's, it's too bureaucratic. Like this all sounds legalistic and dry and um, crusty and just hoops to jump through. And isn't God all about the heart? Like I love Jesus, why would I need to sign this membership document? And of, of course, the, the primary focus of our church is preaching the gospel and helping you have a real uh, relationship with the living God. We just believe membership is a helpful tool to help clarify and define what that looks like here, to help as an organization move forward together. And so think about when people would say, again, going back to the marriage illustration, like, I, I, I love you. Why do, I need, why do we need to bring a piece of paper into this? You know, can't, can't we just like stay together and we love each other? Who needs a marriage? Who needs a ceremony? Who needs vows? Uh, but the question should be flipped and say, well, if you do love each other and are committed fully to one another, why would you not make it official? Why would you not make those vows and that commitment? Really what you're saying is, I, I love you, but I don't love you enough to close all the other doors. Right? And so really a, a membership commitment, signing a document, is not out of line with a genuine heart of love and commitment. They, they go together and are not at odds. So we've walked through biblical reasons for membership. Uh, practical reasons, sociological reasons. Now, I want to define a little bit what membership is and what it isn't. And this is where we're going to, again, put some specifics here. Um, First, membership is not a country club. We're not trying to create a country club at FBC here. Um, We're not planning to buy horses or put a pool in or put on a golf course that you're now a member of. We're not a country club, meaning uh, non-members are still allowed to be here. It's not like we're going to be like checking membership cards at the door, like, okay, you go in, you go in. Not like that at all. Our doors are open. We want to invite everyone and anyone to come and worship, to come and join us and be a part of what we're doing here. So it's not about how we're going to keep certain people out, or we, only, we really want to make sure only like card-carrying members can be present here. We want everyone to come and hear the gospel. Okay, so we're not creating that sort of exclusive mentality. We just, again, want to clarify the, um, the responsibility of when you call this your church home, what that means. And um, we also want to talk about how membership's not going to be like the new main thing of our church. We're like every week we're talking about membership and, and sharing the gospel of membership up front. Um, 
We're talking about this a lot right now because we haven't done this for, for years and years. I want to bring everybody along. But the main thing is still the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, preaching Christ, calling men and women to trust in him and find life in him and make disciples. That's, and nothing here is changing. We're just saying, again, membership is a helpful tool to help us accomplish this. And so likely after here, it's not going to be as much of an emphasis uh, up front and center every week where we're talking about it like we are now. Um, the other thing membership is not, is it's not like choosing a cell phone provider. You know, it's not like you go look at AT&T and look at Verizon and who can give you the best rate and who offers the best benefits and the lowest price and it's really about the perks and who meets your needs best and it's about you getting what you want. Membership is a, it's a two-way street. It's not just about what uh, we are committing to you, but about your commitment to being here and your investment and contribution in the life of the church. So it's not like AT&T or Verizon, but it's really a, uh, about how you are called to use your gifts and build up the church here where God, or wherever uh, has God has placed you, even if it's not this church. So let's talk a bit about that two-way street, okay? Let's talk about our commitment to you, the, the church leadership here, what our commitment to our members is. First, we commit to teach and obey God's word. Right? If you call FBC your church home, you can expect, whether it's from me or Ian or whoever else is up front, that there would be a, a, a clear fidelity to teaching Scripture, to the gospel, to obeying Scripture. Uh, and so if we start to drift on any of these areas, uh, we should be held accountable, should be called out. We should have a conversation about that because we need to teach and obey the Word of God. Second, we commit to love you and shepherd you. If this is your church home, you should feel really, really loved by the leadership here. You should feel known and seen, shepherded, cared for. So uh, if you look at 1 Peter 5 and Acts chapter 20, those verses that we read before, uh, they use the language of shepherding, that leaders should, uh, as a shepherd cares for their sheep, they should know their sheep, feed their sheep, lead their sheep, and protect their sheep. And we've had a process for shepherding here at FBC. Some of you have heard that language used over the years, but we realize that it makes a lot of sense to pair shepherding with membership, that we will commit to shepherding and caring for and leading those who have committed to this as their church home. Let me give you an example, because over the years, what would happen is people would come to the church and because we didn't have like a clear, clear defining line of who's a part of the church and who is now like going to call this their church home, we'd kind of like make assumptions and be like, they've been here for a couple weeks or a couple months and they seem really invested. And so they're in, we're going to get them on a shepherding list. And these people we're not sure about yet or whatever. And so sometimes though we'd assign people a shepherd and be like, hey, we're, you know, I'm, I'm going to be your shepherd. We'd reach out to them and they'd either not say anything or be like, well, who are you? Or what is the shepherding? Or I don't know if I want that, or I'm not sure if I'm going to be here, or whatever. And so it kind of was this, we, we were trying to make the decision for them, rather than saying, hey, we are entering into this relationship together. And so it makes a lot more sense, like, for you to say, yes, I'm going to land here. This is my church home. And that we would say, okay, great. Then as a part of this church, we are committing to love you and to shepherd you and to invest in your life in a way that we don't do with just everybody. Right? So by, by becoming a member, you're making this invitation to the leadership to come and mess with you. <laughs> really, you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to make this commitment to, to be here, to live life a certain way, and I'm going to be then accountable for that. We, we need to hold one another accountable. And so it's an invitation. And so when we kind of 
reach out to you or, or confront you or talk with you about a difficult subject, you can't say, well, whoa, 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 wait a second. This isn't your place to do this. Actually, it is. By making this commitment to say, hey, I'm going to entrust myself to the leadership of this church, there is some, some invitation, some welcoming of accountability that goes along with it. So we commit to love you, shepherd you, and lastly, simply just provide opportunities for you to worship, connect, grow, and go. We want this to be a place where you can worship, where you can come and connect with other believers and find community and loving fellowship. We want this to be a place where you can grow and serve and use your gifts and learn what, uh, what it means to follow Jesus and all of life and flourish in that. And we want this to be a place where we're intentionally going, reaching our community, inviting you along to be a part of that. Um, so that's a bit of our commitment to you, but you, you all have a commitment to make as well if you become a member of this church. And so I want to read right from our bylaws. Um, in our church constitution and bylaws, we have a membership covenant that outlines, hey, members of the church, here's the agreement, here's the uh, decision that you are making. And so I want to read through it. Um, if you want to take a picture of this, because it's a lot to like, write down, you can take a picture of it. Um, if you want to go on the homepage of our website, we put a little clickable link that says membership details, and this will be right there on the homepage of our website. Um, also, at the end of this process, we're going to have like a nice little packet to give all this information to you so you'll have a hard copy of it going forward. But again, if today you want to take a picture um, or if you write really fast, then Godspeed and off you go. <laughs> but here's what uh, our bylaws outline as a membership covenant. I will protect the unity of our fellowship by acting in love toward others, refusing to gossip, and following the leaders. I will share the responsibility of our fellowship by praying for its growth, inviting others to attend, and warmly welcoming those who visit. I will serve the ministry of our fellowship by using my gifts and talents, by being equipped to serve, and by developing a servant's heart. And I will support the testimony of our fellowship by attending faithfully, living a godly life, and by giving regularly. Some significant commitments there, right? I want you to have this now so you can start to process that, think through that, the call of, of belonging, of loving others, following the leaders, praying for the church, inviting, welcoming, serving, using your gifts. Next week, we're going to talk a lot more about um, ways to serve, ways you can use your gifts here, so more on that to come. Um, also, you notice this last piece, attending faithfully. Now, uh, we don't outline in our bylaws like a number of Sundays a year you have to come to be considered a good standing member or attending faithfully. It doesn't, it doesn't outline a specific number of Sundays you have to be here uh, per month. To, to be attending faithfully. But I will say this, it should be a surprise when you're not here, not that you are here. That's a helpful way to think about it. It should be a surprise when you're not here as opposed to it being a surprise when you are here. That's a little bit of, maybe that helps clarify it. Also giving regularly. Um, there's this invitation to invest financially. God has entrusted us with resources. We're to steward them for his kingdom. Part of the way we do that is by giving together to the local church to then support missionaries, support outreach in the community. Um, that goes to pay uh, salaries for staff to, to keep the lights on. Right? Those are all things that we're able to do because of your giving. Again, in our bylaws, we don't have um, 
a dollar amount outlined. We don't have a percentage of your income that's required. That's between you and the Lord, but there is this invitation and call to be, to be giving regularly. That's part of it. Um, and the key here that, in walking through this is I just want us to see this, this is a significant commitment. It means something to belong here. This is an investment. I'm going to pour my life out in this place to be a part of God's work in the world. There's so much that you bring to the table. We need your presence, your contribution, your gifts here to, uh, to accomplish the work that God has called us to do. We want you to have ownership here. We want you to serve here with joy and pride. This is my church home, and I'm excited about what God is doing here. We want you to lean in rather than checking out. And let me just say, I I know this church has been through difficult seasons, ups and downs. I know it was hard when when Pastor Scott left and when there was a a year of transition and the future was uncertain. I'm just so encouraged to look back and hear the stories of all those people who, who stayed, who leaned in, who served, who invested, and we're here today because of their faithfulness, because when times were hard, the members of this church said, we're here and we're going to lean in rather than check out. Thank you to those of you that did that. I want to get to call Benicia home if it weren't for you. I'm so excited about what God is doing here. And it's, again, because of the faithful members of this church. So lastly, I'll say, you might be wondering, well, who can become a member? Are there qualifications for membership that the bylaws outline? And really... The bylaws are really simple. It's really um, simply laid out. There's just two things required. One, it'll say a personal confession of faith and commitment to obey Jesus as Lord. So in other words, um, if you are a Christian, first qualification, you've made a personal confession of faith in Jesus and have a commitment to obey Jesus as Lord. Um, And so that's why with our membership document at the end, uh, application or affirmation is the word that maybe makes a little more sense, there will be a chance for you to affirm that commitment to Jesus, that you are a follower of Jesus. Um, So that's the first thing, a personal confession of faith. And second is a commitment to regularly participate in the life of FBC. So are you a Christian? And number two, do you want this to be your home church? (laughs) Do you want to commit to regularly participating in the life of this church as really outlined in the membership covenant that we just walked through? Like, that's what we mean when we talk about a commitment to participating and belonging here. It's living out those membership uh, covenant pieces. Um, So those are the two things. And again, if you have questions about any of this, please come see me afterwards or in the weeks ahead, we'll be able to talk through it. I mean, in in the weeks ahead, the next two weeks, we'll talk about more from the broad sense of why you should be a member of a local church to why this church, who we are at FBC, our mission, our vision, our history, our leadership, our distinctives, our theological distinctives, um, just expectations here. Uh, we're going to get into all that, ways to serve in the next couple weeks. So much more to come. Um, and then at the end of the process, we'll have a simple affirmation document for those who are wanting to take that step of membership to join in. Now, again, we're asking everybody to do this. Meaning if you're brand new here and you've never heard any of this and, and you're here for the past for a few months and want to be a member, we want you to sign the document. And if you've been here for decades, we're considering this maybe a reaffirmation opportunity for you to say today, yeah, I'm in with what God is doing here. I want to reaffirm my commitment to being a part of this local church. You might be saying again, son, I've got underwear older than you and I've been at this church longer than you've been alive. Why do I have to sign your silly little document? Again, consider just an opportunity 
to say, I am here. And together, all of us are coming alongside and saying, we're in, we're invested in the work God is doing here. So it's going to be much more meaningful and fun that we're all doing it together rather than like, you know, a few new people and then, ah, we're grandfathered in. So we're all going to do it together. And, um, you know, this kind of concludes my talk. So again, with, with the sermon, it's like typically we want to end with a high note. Look, look at Jesus. Look at how, how glorious he is. Look at what God's done for you and your heart is melted and you're ready to respond and go and change and, and live in a way that honors God. And, but with this, um, just thanks for coming to my talk. And we've got a few more weeks ahead. And let me pray, yeah, let me pray for us. And then we're going to sing one more song in worship. And that'll be the morning. Father, we love you. And we thank you first um, just for how you have loved us. Thank you for the work of Christ who came, who died, who rose again for us. You've forgiven us all our sins. You've given us a place in your family. We thank you. Thank you for, for purchasing us with your own blood. We love you. We worship you. We pray you'd guide us in this membership process in the weeks ahead. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.